you know what day it is, it's Wednesday. That means it is another episode of Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair Podcast. So it's been kind of interesting being back in XPW. And I have to say, like, there are characters that I might have known before. Like, I never had a chance to work with Angel, the, um, the hardcore homo, uh, or Veronica Kane. So that's pretty cool so far. But one of, okay, so the first time we came back in Pomona, I've got to say that was like the longest night I've ever been to a wrestling show, but we had an extreme death match tournament. One of the people I met was a clown. Like he really is a clown. Like I've never gotten high with a clown before, especially like a dirty clown. But anywho, uh, I remember sitting there with Veronica Kane for the meet and greet. And thanks to those of you who did show up and dirty Ronald McDonald that's right, like dirty Ronald McDonald. And no, he doesn't do like John Wayne Gacy shit. He's just a clown that does comedy and really supports the arts and is somewhere in Southern California. He had a joint and he was sitting there with one of the um, other wrestlers and he says, hey, you ladies, want, you girls want some? Which is really, it was cool. I felt like I was in a scene out of like, um, Days and Confused, where you have the one cool stoner kid asking the girls, hey, you want to get high with me? And that's not really my thing. But who's going to say no to having a hit off a joint with dirty Ronald McDonald? There's only one time in my life I can honestly say I got high with a clown. Enjoy the interview with dirty Ron- Ronald McDonald. Yeah, dirty Ronald McDonald. Way better than a cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, whatever. So there you go. So you're yeah. in movies when you're a kid, like how old were you and what kind of movies were you in? Uh, well, so my mom being a, you know, loving Jewish mother, like she was, was like, all right, well, my son's either going to be an accountant or he's going to be an entertainer, you know, cause I, we pretty much have two choices as Jew. Um, and you know, so my mom, I was, I was a cute little kid. I mean, like, you know, I was a cute little round faced white baby boy with the curly red hair, you know, and, um, you know, I always get the attention of the ladies. They'd always love my curls. My mom would take me to the beauty salon because nobody's going to let some regular jerk bartender cut my curls. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you know, you, yeah, I look good. Yeah. I look good. <laughs> well, you're very interesting. I've, when I first met, um, dirty Ron McDonald, which is a very, by the way, you're afraid of clowns. Um, yeah, honestly, kind of, um, you know, I think that's what we, we kind of do. We take what scares us and try to embody that to take the fear away, right? Well, did you have like some kind of a traumatic experience with a clown when you were a child? Um, my, my therapist told me not to talk about that too much, but uh, no, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it was always like a prize as a kid to go to McDonald's, you know, at least in, you know, in my white trash household in St. Louis, Missouri, um, that we're like, oh, you know, let's go there. It's a treat. You know, it's like a, it's like a circus going on over there. So, you know, I, uh, it, it always put McDonald's on a pedestal above other fast food, above really any other food. So, you know, long time influence uh, from eating that garbage food for a long time. Yeah, but like McDonald's had the very first really good Sundays. Like I had Frosties when I was a kid at Wendy's, but McDonald's had that caramel Sunday. Remember when they first came out or is that like way before your time? Oh, no, no, no. I'm 39 years old. You know, I have a pretty photographic memory. So, you know, oh, I remember all that. I remember there were ashtrays still in McDonald's back when, you know, when, when I started for, you know, first going to McDonald's. So it's, it's crazy to see, you know, um, a company like that go from, hey, we got ashtrays and now they got like salads and healthy options. Like who goes to McDonald's for healthy options? You know, go to Whole Foods or something. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. There was some dickweed that went into a Pacific dining car. Those of you listening who do not know Pacific dining cars, it's a California-based steakhouse. It's very vintage. Now, these were around since like the 1940s or even earlier. And these two vegans went in there and sued them because they did not have vegan options. So oh. why would I go into a vegan butchery looking for fucking meat for crying out loud and then now you have these people going in trying to sue a steakhouse. By the way, they did sue. And as far as I heard, they didn't win. Like, thank God. Um, amazing how crazy frivolous lawsuits come out these days. Yeah. I'm surprised they, they didn't find some loophole to win. You know, everybody wants to be um, included in everything. And I thought that's what made it, you know made things special is that not everybody gets to be included in everything. And it's not a bad thing. We're not trying to exclude people. But I mean, like, for instance, if you're not 
one of the most crazy, insane, deathmatch-type wrestlers with some attitude and personality. XPW doesn't need you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's Not everybody gets to do everything. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. XPW is one of the, uh, I think it's one of the most, it's an obscure wrestling league. I mean, it's like ECW wrestling on steroids, for sure. And I remember when they first opened up, it was interesting watching it, like, evolve into what it is now. Um, how did you get into the, how did you even get into XPW wrestling? Was it just the gimmick? I mean, what was the whole thing? So, uh, you know, I started wrestling, um, I was doing backyard wrestling, you know, 99, 2000, you know, watching you on ECW pay-per-views crazy. I'm here now, but, um, you know, it, it, loving deathmatch wrestling. Cause that's some of the first stuff I got is, uh, tape trading. You know, I got some, uh, FMW Onita exploding ring matches. You know, I'd see some. Big Japan, where you know you got like a scorpions and tank and stuff like that. So it was like just like this. This stuff could you know it shows that you're a little bit different. I mean, being an athletic base wrestler is one thing, you know. And I, I wrestled in high school. And I got a good athletic base, you know. I'm a been an athlete, powerlifter for a long time. So, but deathmatch was always something that set itself apart. So when I got into wrestling at 15, you know, 14, 15, 16, doing backyard, that's kind of what I saw. I was like, ah, that that's that's what. I can do that other people can't do. I figured, um, you know, um, so, you know, to see deathmatch wrestling evolve to what it is now, it, yeah, it's kind of getting watered down because good deathmatch wrestling is, is done with a story. It's done well with a story, even though you're going out there and stabbing each other with shit. Um, so in a long winded effort to answer your question, um, uh, last year, uh, summer 2021, I did a big jump off of a roof. Um, it was like a 22 foot uh, high roof, perfect elbow from the roof, right through a guy on a table. Um, scariest shit I've ever done. But right at that time, I guess Rob Black was looking to get started back up again. And um, he's good friends with Kevin Kleinrock, you know, uh, you know Lucha, uh, Mass Lucha or Ma Mass Republic. And um, Ruben was like, hey, um, or, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin was like, hey, you need to check this dirty Ron McDonald out. He's right up your alley. Rob hit me with a DM. First time we talked. I was like, I, I want to work with this guy for a long time. Um, anything that anybody said, has ever said bad about Rob Black, I'm sure it's true to them. But, um, you know, he's a very passionate person. Um, he's very um, willing to listen. He comes with good ideas, you know. And the, the excitement and the, pa the, the excitement in the past really gets me over Rob Black. He's always excited. I mean, maybe it's you know, probably not just me, but like he's always full of energy, you know. I mean, that's Rob. I remember from the very first day when he started the company, like I didn't know what was going on exactly. I knew that they were starting something, but by that time I was, um, I'd already worked for ECW, but I, I just remember my first time meeting the um, dirty Ronald McDonald. We're sitting there at the first XPW show in Pomona, the rebirth show. And all of a sudden, I mean, he did a very polite thing that reminds me out of a scene, maybe out of like um, dazed and confused. I'm sitting there with Veronica Kane and he's like, hey, do you ladies want some? And he offers us like a joint. I said yes, because I just had to just for the sake of um, <laughs> thing I did. Besides, I'm afraid of clowns, too. But moving <laughs> hopefully I can lighten that up for you, Jess. You did. Uh, you did. I mean, I, I'm not really afraid of clowns completely. I don't know if like I don't really have like childhood trauma from it or anything like that. Like they're just scary sometimes, especially seeing one like cut himself in a ring. Were you surprised to see how far like female wrestling has come in XPW? I think that takes it to like a whole other level. I've never seen girls get color like that. It, it, it really does. Um, and I think that um, is, is, you know, um, thanks to uh, wrestlers like Sage Sin Supreme. Um, she's a, a staple out here on the West Coast. You know, I run a little promotion out of my wrestling warehouse in San Diego. Um, and she's our triple X champion. Um, that was a championship that, like, you know, I held, you know, to kind of give it a little bit of a whatever here in San Diego. And then, you know, I, you know we, uh, we we christened her with the championship. She's an, an incredible talent. Um, she really sets the pace for it. And her being located out here in California, it was so awesome to see her get through three rounds of the king of the deathmatch tournament. Um, that says something by itself. And then to see her in the XPW Women's Championship, you know, get to that final four-way, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see her work, to see her get um, get around with the crowd. And, you know, I, I think that's where it starts in XPW. I know that at the next show, Night of Reckoning, uh, August 13th, she's going to be in the first ever women's death match. So um, to see her really 
champion that role and, and take the ball and run with it. It's great. I've had several intergender death matches. I got an intergender death match this, this Saturday against Sarika. So, you know, to see where women can, have come with that, like, I love it because I know my, my wife, my mom, my sister, three most important women to me in my life are very strong women. So, you know, to, to see women be able to take that and run with it, there's not women in men's deathmatch wrestling. There's just deathmatch wrestling. And we can all do it no matter what you're born with between your legs. Yeah, I mean, so much for WWE thinking that they were taking like women's wrestling to a whole other level. Well, guess what? <laughs> it just got better at XPW wrestling, of course. And, you know, I don't know if they ever really use a lot of their female wrestlers to the fullest potential. Like Jazz, for example, in ECW, oh, yeah. they did not push her the way they should have for crying out loud. But XPW, I think like everyone has a chance. Now, here's something my mom said. She said that we're all sick in the head. Like she watched ECW and she watched the pay-per-view, the last show. So she claims that we need therapy. So I'm trying to like juggle this in my brain. Like who really needs the therapy? Is it the fans? Because the fans watch this shit because they're either afraid to like go out and hurt themselves. Yeah. Or I could do it for them. Um, <clears throat> or secondly, is it the wrestlers? Because you do this to yourselves. Or three, like, what about like the groupies that are into guys that do that? You know, um, isn't that crazy? You know, when when I when I first got into wrestling, um, I saw this wild world of characters. You know, I'm a big um, a, a big fan of stand up comedy. I've been doing stand up comedy for a minute. Uh, you know, to see people come out there and because that's our job. Our job is to manipulate emotions. Our job is to make people feel something that isn't real. And not only that. As wrestlers, and I'm sure you, you've been on set a million times, You like I see actors take 10, 12 takes to get two sentences down. Wrestlers, her wrestlers are doing drama, improv, stunt, you know, uh, comedy, action, all in one take with an audience 360 degrees around a Shakespearean style, sweating around in our fancy underwear, you know? So our job is, I'm not trying to, you know, kiss on our sucker on dicks or whatever, but like our job is... Such a difficult job. And I think that people don't really re recognize how much talent it really takes to be able to do all that in with a live audience, you know, heckling you, yelling at you, saying things that are there to throw you off. You know, like I do stand up comedy. If you talk during a comedy show, they're throwing your fucking ass out. You know, like, uh, you know, at, at, at church, same thing. You, you know, you're heckling, they're throwing you off the wrestling. We encourage everybody get drunk, yell at the wrestlers, be part of the show. You know, like, and to, to answer your question, um, our therapy, to me, my therapy is wrestling, you know, getting out there and taking that nervous energy right before I cross the curtain and then popping right through. And all of a sudden that that nervous energy went from, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm about to do. I feel like I got to pee 13 times to cross that curtain. And then all of a sudden you're the man, you know, all of a sudden that that nervous energy turns into power, turns into energy. And I get to give that energy back and get more energy back from people, you know. Um, there's a show called uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And there's a, you watch that show? Yeah, I know the show. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, comedy show about vampires or whatever. And there's one of these vampires, I think it's the best character on, on television ever. He's an emotional vampire. So he like sucks the energy out of you by saying corny shit and shit. Like, Ugh. And I think that's like, I, I felt like I have a little bit of that because I feel like I get energy from people when I'm getting cheered or when I'm getting yelled at or when I'm fuck you clown or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, there's nothing better than to manipulate somebody's emotions. You can feel something that's not real that, you know, you made that happen. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, um, it's very different. It's like a drug in and of itself. And I don't think unless you've actually been through the curtain and been there in the midst of the insanity and madness or chaos, I should say, Oh, yeah. Um, you don't know like what that adrenaline rush is. Was there something else you wanted to do when you were a kid, like maybe become uh, a slaughterhouse owner or something or like. Uh, swear to God, everybody was talking about, you know, want to be a firefighter, astronaut, whatever. I was always pro wrestler. My mom had about 75 matches um, in the independent St. Louis circuit in the late 70s before I existed. So. You know, we white trash runs heavy in my family. Uh, we we our family always got the WrestleManias. I'm 39 years old, so like we got the first WrestleMania. I was almost two years old, and you know, uh, March 31st of 1985. So 
you know, like I, we've been around it all. I've been to five WrestleManias, you know, like I've watched every WrestleMania live except number 24. Um, I, I had to work at the strip club as we're going to whatever. So you now wrestling is such a huge part of who I am. Uh, wrestling is such a huge part of, I think our society in, in whole, you know, I, I hate to get into politics or anything. I'm not really going to touch on it, but I think politics and uh, the news, everything does what wrestling has always done. Presenting something that's real. That's, Maybe not totally true, um, with a little bit of elements of reality in that, but it mixes it into where it pulls on your emotional strings, you know. So, you know, you see politicians go out there and make you feel something instead of talking about the issues. Like, well, why are we talking about the issues? Oh, because people care more when you're calling somebody this or you know, like you're making fun of that or whatever. You know, like, hey, and you know what? Maybe they just figured it out. Maybe they, you know, people figured out how to get your attention, and that's being a wild and uh, being a pro wrestler come to life. Well, it's also a tool that media has always used for many years called sensationalization. That's why I always advise the elderly, maybe it's best not to always just watch the news because it sensationalized things. Hence, maybe it gets your blood pressure up. I don't know. Uh, It's just a weird temperature and it's crazy because everyone you always speak to, well, you know, I don't really talk about politics and it's never, ever been such a touchy issue until like these past few years, you know? Yeah. Um. And what, what do you, you said you worked at a strip club. So what are some of the day jobs you've actually held down, you know, while you continued wrestling? So, um, I mean, Jesus, um, it, it went in spurts. So, you know, I started wrestling. Uh, I was the first, second professional wrestler under 18 to get my Missouri wrestling license in 2001. Matt Seidel was the first, um, long time, you know, really good friend of mine. So, um, Going from, I started, I wrestled for about, you know, five, six years. I stopped that. I was 20 years old. I started my own um, marketing company uh, called Box Hoppers, where I had several pizza places in town. I, I created their menus for them, sold advertising on the back, um, booked, booked different venues and shows, got back into wrestling here and there, um, found a little bit of success as a, as a wrestling cow, because um, the Insane Clown Posse booked me a lot. They love stupid characters like that. I had like udders that like squirted out milk and stuff. It was fucking hilarious. So, um, finding that, you know, and I, my really big lick, um, throughout that entire time was I was booking, uh, shows. I was booking some like BC level artists through in St. Louis. And I got the opportunity to book Afro man because I got hot because I got hot. So, uh, his producer lived in St. Louis. So I was able to book some shows locally, then a couple of college towns. And I was putting small tours together and I put a big two and a half month tour together the Afro man traveled the whole country. Um, it was great. I, I, uh, I booked like 85, 90% of the shows. Um, and this is all just me cold calling. Like <clears throat> at that point, Afro man kind of had a bad reputation of showing up late, you know, fucked up, whatever. So I had to cold call these venues. Now he was like, here, here's a list. Of people I worked with cold call these places. So I set up this stuff, yada, 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 figured out, Hey, I need to be out on the West coast. There's weed everywhere. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool for your smoke. I had 15 tickets back in St. Louis, like for small amounts of marijuana, you know, like I use this instead of pain pills, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, you know, like getting out back out of the West coast, like I'd worked all sorts of jobs, strip club, um, had a promotions and nightclubs, but it was, ne- they were never really real jobs. I, I had a, my last real job in like 2007, eight, and, uh, ugh, ugh. so now I work real hard and not a real job. That sounds more interesting. And why did you choose comedy? That's, uh, I mean, it's this weird thing. Like, so at Second City, Ryan Nemeth or Hill Ziegler, he had an improv troupe and I met John Hennigan there. Like, that's kind of how I got turned into the whole Second City thing when I hosted an improv show for them. And now there's this whole correlation of wrestling and improv. Do you see any relation, like why wrestlers get into that? How long have you been doing comedy? I started comedy about eight years ago. And when I say that, I mean, eight years ago, before the, and up to the pandemic, I was on stage six to 12 times every week, without a doubt. Um, and because I learned how to book shows by cold calling for Afro Man, I was able to set up some shows, booking my own band on a uh, countrywide tour, six-week tour. And I was booking comedy shows because I found a lick with um, a list of dispensaries. I paid $100. I listed every weed dispensary in the United States. Their, their, their phone number, their address, their email, their contacts, everything. So what I was able to do is I was I cold call these dispensaries. I was like, hey, give me $500, $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 for a comedy show. And I took 
comedians. It was called the Cottonmouth Comedy Tour. And I took them on like two, three week runs. We were doing shows six, seven days a week, um, but getting paid by these expenses because back in 2015, 16, 17, 18 even, it was, it was medicinal. So every company was nonprofit. So I knew they had to spend that money, you know? So I was like, hey, why don't you give it to me? I'll come bring some hilarious stoner comics. We'll have a good fucking time. So um, I started comedy, though, to supplement wrestling. There's a lot of similarities. It's all on you. You're the center of attention. You know, it's up to you to make people feel something or not, you know? Um, and, like, with comedy, you're emotionally naked. With wrestling, you're mostly naked. So, you know, um, there are a lot of similarities, you know, the, the circuits, the, you know, the, how you get in, you know, like there's no school for comedy, like there is wrestling. So you really got to go out there, show up to the shows, help out. Hopefully you get a spot. You know, if, if you're good, you'll get booked. If not, you got to keep going through the cycle. So and it's also something that in a weird way, nobody else can take credit for me. If I bomb, if I suck, which more times than not, it, it happens, but you know, when when I'm able to make an, uh, strangers in an audience laugh, there's no better feeling. I remember the first time I got an applause break. Like, I've had, so I, I had a girl stick her finger on my ass and give me the best orgasm of my life. But let me tell you, the best feeling I ever had was that first applause break for a joke that I came up with out of my stupid wrestler brain. Now, does your family ever get worried about you? I mean, because there's, with death matches, a lot of people have watched, um, what is it beyond what was it beyond the mat yeah and you watch movies like the wrestler and like i've witnessed so many different things and it's just so like even in this day and age i still get scared sometimes for people do you ever have that holy shit moment or does your family ever tell you hey you know you might want to ease off of this or that oh my god i mean like my mom's you know the most important person to me in my life besides my wife and um she's you know i talk to her almost Every day, you know, every other day. So um, she's always on my ass. You know, I just turned 39. I was, ne I never had a major injury until the last couple of years. I've had some injuries that really never healed. So, you know, I know, I know that I'm starting to get to that point to where I've got, a, I've got one more big stunt planned. Um, we're booked for like the Oktoberfest down by the pier and I'm throwing a guy off the pier and jumping and giving him an elbow into the ocean. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, my, my mom all the time, you know, she, she worries. Um, it, it's not, it's something that I'm always worrisome of, but honestly, you know, and I don't want to shit on other deathmatch wrestlers and for sure, nobody at XPW, um, but, and I don't want to like, you know, pull the curtain away, but I mean, I, as long as you know what the fuck you're doing and you're not an idiot, you're trying to look out for the safety of your opponent because 21 years wrestling over 1500 matches and I've never injured anybody, any in, in, small or big. Um, and, you know, to, to know that, like, yeah, knock on wood, right. And, you know, to, to know that, that you can be safe, but you have to be intelligent and that doesn't always come. Yeah. Well, well, do you ever, well, do you ever think you'd want to work for WWE? So, um, uh, obviously that's everybody's dream i uh, i got uh so you know when they come around town they, they get local wrestlers extras um back in 2016 i did a pay-per-view raw smackdown loop i did it you know a handful of times the first time i did it you know they tell you hey you know like before the show when you get there get in your gear go hang out by the ring so there i am hanging out first guy down there you know glad handing everybody shaking hands smiling you know trying to be funny whatever not too funny um and, uh, and then Arn Anderson comes up to us. He's like, all right, you two, you're working with Braun. You two, you're working with the Colognes. So I'm thinking this is like our tryout. This is like, oh, they want to see what we can do, right? And I'm just, you know, smiling, shutting up, listening, right? It's all two ears, one mouth. Shut the fuck up. So I'm down there, you know, and Arn's like going over this idea. And me and my partner, it's two on one against Braun Strowman. It's, if people don't know who that is, he's 27 feet tall and like 5,000 pounds. So you know, a real man. I looked at this man and I'm like, how are we the same species? We're both men. We're human men. No, we're fucking not. Whatever you are, I am not. You're a fucking giant. So we're going over this thing. We go over like three times. It's very specific. It's like, all right, when you bump here, you roll this way, you know, and I have no idea what's going on. Remember, I think this is a tryout. So boom, we're done doing the, the, the go through and they hand me a script. And I was like, oh shit, segment eight, Monday Night Raw. Like, 
oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be on Monday Night Raw. Like, holy shit. I was on a 10-day comedy tour right before this and I broke my phone. So I had no time to go get a phone. So I have no phone. So here I am. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be on Monday Night Raw and I'm reading over the script. And one of us, of the two of us, was going to do talking live on Raw. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going through my head. I'm like, I'm going to murder this guy. What do I got to do? I got to hit him in the knee. What do I got? You know, do I got to steal his clothes? I don't know what I got to do. I got to fight this guy. I got to get that speaking role, right? So Aaron's like, um, who wants to do the talking? And he was like, oh, he can do it. I was like, great. So um, here we are. I get a script. I'm doing a promo on live on Monday Night Raw at the Oracle Arena in Oakland. There's 18,000 people live, 6.2 million watching on on cable in the United States. Who knows globally how many millions of people saw this shit. So, I, you know, they're like, all right, whatever, you know, we're, we're about to go out. It's surreal because I'm in the gorilla position, you know. You've been you've been backstage at WWE, yeah. So you you know gorilla position, boom. There's missing man. There's there's a, a Triple H. There's all these everybody that you know I've been watching for my entire freaking life. So here I am, the most nervous I've ever been. About walk through the curtain on Monday Night Raw in Oakland at the Oracle Arena, eighteen thousand people live. So boom, I walk through. It's all dark right in between the segment. We get in the ring. Byron Saxon's in there. And I can feel that energy turning, feel that nervousness turning into power. And then he put that microphone in my face. And oh, let me, let me back up. So they said one note. You do the promo. Vince hates when people look right into the camera. Don't do that. Do not do that. They don't do that. They hate that, right? So I'm like, all right, great. So lights come on. Here comes Braun Showman. Here's the microphone in front of my face. And Jasmine, what do I do? I look that motherfucker <laughs> right in the camera, right? And I'm just like doing all this and doing the Hulk Hogan and doing the Macho Man and doing the, uh, and right here in Oaktown, fucking place popped. It was amazing. So anyway, we do the match. Um, go backstage, walk through Gorilla. I got my head down, you know, thank you guys, whatever, try to be respectful. Go to changing area and I'm coming back to Gorilla to watch the TV screen where all the other extras are. So. Um, I'm walking down this corridor and there's like 40 people. It's a big, long corridor. It's in an arena, you know? So here I go. I'm walking towards gorilla. And at the end of the aisle, walking my way, who do I see? Vince fucking McMahon. Right. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like, Oh my God. Cool. You know, here I am walking. I'm like, I'm going to get to run into Vince. I don't have a camera. Like they told us not to be marks to take pictures. Oh my God. This is so crazy. Like, do I say something? Do I look at him? What do I do? Oh my God. You know, and I'm walking this whole time and all this is happening like 2.5 seconds. And I look up because I'm halfway through the corridor. And here's Vince. He's coming, but only he's looking right in my eyes. Oof. And I'm like, right. And I'm telling you what, that guy is a powerful motherfucker. He kind of just comes with this aura. So he's looking at me and I'm, now I'm like, oh no, I can't go backwards. There's no door here. If I go forward, I'm going to pass him. He, he's mad at me because I looked in the TV screen. I'm like, oh my God, all these thoughts are coming through. And then there we were. He's standing next to me. And like a cartoon, I just like look him from down and I look him all the way up. It's not like it took two hours to do that because he's so fucking, he's such a big guy. So, you know, I'm looking up and there he is looking at me. So I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. It felt like an eternity. And then he took his hand out and he goes, you did a great job tonight, son. You did a great job. Thank you so much. We really appreciate all your effort. You did a great job out there. Great job on the microphone, all that. And I was like, oh, my God. A minute later, Stephanie McMahon came up to me and did the same thing. So there will never be a more fulfilling night to hear that the greatest man to ever do this form of entertainment and I'm going to, I think that, you know, I'm going to just tell myself, he came and found me, which I'm sure isn't true, but we met, he shook my hand, he complimented me, and then his daughter did the same thing. It was fucking amazing, Jasmine. That's awesome. Like, I like hearing stories like that. You hear so many things, like people that have been there, whether they didn't like the locker room environment or just the... Um, the, uh, the, the word is at the tip of my tongue or the... Uh, not the environment. It's going to come to me. The, the atmosphere. The atmosphere. No, uh, culture. It's the culture. That these millennials use all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of injuries in wrestling, did you follow the Chris Benoit case? Of course. Hey, uh, it's funny. I, you see the shirt I'm wearing. Um, it says um, it's Chris Benoit. It's a local punk band out here. They spelled a little bit different. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, man, talk about an unfortunate incident. 
Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, actually, I can't see you, Shirley. I see a photo of your ass, though, because um, you don't. Oh, is my is my picture not up? <laughs> no, it's not up. <laughs> I was amused by this, though. In the meantime. Oh, geez. Yay! Oh, my bad. I why did you tell me there was a picture up? No, it's okay. I don't know. Not everyone uses the camera, but hey, at least you'll be on camera midstream. So when it's up on YouTube, you can see this. Um, so there's so many different theories on it, and it's really a tragedy what happened. Do you think? that part of that had to contribute from all the injuries or just not getting time off or both of them? Um, it had to, you know, um, the trauma that we take to the head and, you know, um, in the, you know, mid to late nineties, you know, I, you know, ECW, I'm not like blaming them for it, but there was a certain sense of, Oh, you're tough. If you can take something to the head and, you know, of course I, you know, we all copied that when we started, you know, we, um, you know, took chair shots to the head, took cookie sheets, all that sort of thing. But, you know, I think what really contributed, and I mean, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but um, what I think what really contributed to that is that, you know, Chris Benoit not only was, you know, um, the, well, the hardest worker in the room from what I hear is that, you know, every night he was doing uh, the flying headbutt that was his finisher. So if he's, I mean, he's for sure, going for it once so that's a big dive off the top rope and you're landing on your fucking head like you're landing head first or like what he did is he would like torpedo himself so his head would hit people like a torpedo so the i can only imagine the trauma just from that once a night for i you know and when he was practicing that when he was younger i'm sure there was a you know a million times that uh hit his head there too so i can only imagine like I start feeling, you know, a little, oh, am I forgetting this or whatever, you know, and like just uh, what we've all seen in CTE research in the last, you know, 15 years or so um, that it's something that we need to address. I'm glad we're addressing it now because there are going to be, you know, a lot more, a lot more injuries like that, you know, and I don't know, I, I don't want to blame the world. There's a lot of stress going on in the world. A lot of people feel a lot of stress, you know, a lot of uh, anxiety. So like, you know, I, I heard something on a podcast, on um, a comedy podcast the other day, a Tom Segura podcast. He's like, um, by, by 2030, you know, um, a good portion of our society is going to have Alzheimer's and dementia. So, you know, just all the overextending of the brain, I, who knows? But it's just, uh, it's, it's a very sad thing. And, you know, I'm glad it was hopefully a wake up call for some wrestlers to put their hands up, you know, be more conscious of how you use your head. You only have one head, you know, like you can break an arm and, you know, bring that back. But, you know, man, a major injury like that, you know, like it, it's going to change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. You know, it's really scary. And plus like working all the time, like you don't even have a break on top of it. So I feel like maybe there's got oh, yeah. some kind of like health. Um, I hate using the word mental health day because everyone uses that so loosely these days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there should be more of like a mental health uh, program. And just the health program in general for wrestlers, because insurance is freaking insane, you know, especially on the indie circuit, because you guys put yourselves through so much like the last show Schlack's leg was beat fucking red. I thought it was the co- just his sock. Oh, no, it's blood. Oh, OK. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. So you see yeah. stuff like that all the time. And it just brings me to the next thing with women's wrestling. I mean, do you think XPW is really setting the next standard for women's wrestling in general with the bleeding? Um, not only that, like, look at what XPW is doing. They're putting on a weekly, almost weekly, highly entertaining hour-long show that's built around characters. It isn't built around, you know, um, wrestling matches necessarily. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a recap show with some character development. Uh, you know, they're doing that with 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 their product, you know, like, um, they're focused on characters. I mean, look at the most polarizing figures in combat sports in history: Conor McGregor, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, you know, Floyd Mayweather, um, the, the Paul brothers. Now, these people know how to make people feel something. They, they, they're the value. Um, let me back up. Muhammad Ali learned from an interview with Gorgeous George. Said, "There's a value, and people want to see you get your ass kicked. Like people will pay money." to see you get your fucking ass kicked. And then if you can avoid that for so long, guess what? They're going to pay more money next time. So, you know, um, 
what was the question, man? See, I, I started no getting problem. I, I got to have some of whatever you're smoking. Um, the question is, do you think XPW is taking women's oh, yeah. wrestling to the next level? Women's wrestling, yeah. So, you know, they, they're doing many things different than everybody else out there. You know, like even the, the women's tournament with the four singles matches and the four-way at the end, they got bloody. You know, a, a few of the opening matches got bloody. And I think that really shows that, you know, these women care. You know, and I don't want to spoil anything, but hearing things in the locker room, like the boys were like, yo, we got to make sure these girls are like put into a standard, you know, and there was a conversation between, you know, um, uh, you know, Schlack and Sage Sin, you know, and, 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 and you know, all these people that, that were like, you know, I know Sage was the cheerleader of all that. Like, hey, we have an opportunity to be different, you know, like that's where everybody strives and in that. Oh, I don't want to be the 751st best Shane Douglas or yeah. Ric Flair. I want to be the best dirty Ron McDonald. You know, I want to <laughs> go out there and, you know, I want to, I want to be something different. I want to make you remember something. I mean, it all started really with me with, you know, I, I had a whole lot of more hair. And when I first grew out this uh, big old Afro, it was the hair. Then it was the bandana. And then I, you know, added the fanny pack. Now my mustache is all big and crazy. Like I want to make sure you don't forget me once you met me. And then I want to add to that, but really getting back to your question, XPW and the women, um, they're, they're setting a standard, you know, they, they have two distinct, um, I don't want to say storylines, just stupid, but like it's two distinct paths for women mm-hmm. on the show right now. It's the Sage Sin and the Deathmatch stuff. It's um, Taya and the championship, you know, and who knows what else is going to get added to the mix as XPW is really finding its feet, finding its groove, there's only their fourth show back, you know, here in, in August. So getting that groove back, Stella getting a groove back and showing everybody out here. And they're, they're really taking time with it, too. You know, they're not trying to rush and trying to make everything matter. They're building up everything on the show. Like everything on the show has a backstory, especially on this one. You know, like and they haven't even announced the match that I'm doing yet. So, you know, like Ooh. there's a story with that one, too. Like <clears throat> I, I, I really I'm so proud to be a part of it. It's, it's great. It's amazing. And I'm glad like he's brought back the whole like manager, like managers as well, because you don't get a lot of managers like you used to back in the day, like doing the cat fights or having the Singapore canes and whacking each other and just doing stuff. I feel as though so many companies have come up and, you know, running a company was the biggest headache. And just why does that happen? Running a company was a headache to a degree especially when you have like, you have men in spandex with egos. And I got to tell you, like, it's a, <laughs> it sounds oh, yeah. really bad. It's a really like, uh, it's annoying almost. And it's just, you, you, like I'm not talking to Sabu's and people like that. Just some people there. It's like, am I really like having this conversation with you? Like, did you just say that? Cause it's so it's different, but you know, it was an experience and Rob taking this on now with all of us, it's like one big growing, um, growing experience. And I'm excited. He's back. Cause I feel like we've lacked a lot of competition in wrestling. Like ECW left a gap. WWE buying it didn't exactly do it any justice whatsoever. Then you have impact wrestling, um, AEW. What are your thoughts on AEW? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched an entire episode and I'm not hating on it. Here's what's yeah. great about wrestling now. Yeah. Look at AEW, look at New Japan, look at Impact, look at, you know, uh, XPW, look at even other independents that are prominent out there. They all have something different to offer. Back in the day, 20, 25 years ago, you had wrestling. That's it. It was wrestling. And then there was the extreme version with ECW. But other than that, it was all just wrestling. So now there's different genres like music. There's, there's hip hop, there's punk, there's rock, there's classic, there's country, there's all these different genres. There's athletic based, there's women based, there's character based, there's, you know, um, there's um, superhero based. You know, people complain about WWE. Like, oh, I don't like it. Well, that's because it's not made for you. WWE is made for children. You know, <laughs> I happen to, it, it, it is. I mean, it's a product made for children. Like it, it, it is. AEW caters to the, 18 to 35 demographic or whatever, you know, the mid forties demographic of wrestling fans. It just, it does, you know, like, like, you know, I live out in ocean beach, San Diego, California, a a town heavily influenced by punk rock. All the punk rockers are 40 and 50 years old because that's when that, you know, like that's, that's who that's made for. And when I put on shows and, you know, this is what I like about XPW too, is that you, 
you don't have to like wrestling or know what's going on to enjoy that show. You know, I've heard so many people my entire life, like, Oh, I used to like wrestling with Stone Cold. I used to like wrestling with Ric Flair. I used to like wrestling when ECW. Well, I want to put on shows for those people. I want to put on shows for people that used to like wrestling, that are familiar with it. Just want to go and have a good time. They want to sit there and watch two guys go and show every move in their arsenal and have them do a gazillion flips and shit like that. Like, it, that's fun. It's a, it's a fun part. But, I mean, oversaturating something like that on, on every any show is ugh. So, you know, AEW is not my taste. Just like I don't like country music. So, you know, like it, it's, it's for some people. It's not for me. You don't, you look like you could be related to Willie Nelson or I don't know if it's the weed. I have no idea what it is. No, that's the, that's the country bumpkin white trash in me from St. Louis. And you got the Jufro though. So I don't know. I don't know about that. That's it's a whole, it's a very special, it's an acquired look for sure. Oh, no doubt. I'm going to make sure you're never going to forgive me. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you just don't offer women like marijuana at his show. No one does that. And just um, well, you know, I like so that. I like that fun. Yeah, it's like, hey, you ladies want some? Yeah, okay, sure. We'll get high with the clown. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, with acting, what they do with acting, it's always like with Meisner, because I was Meisner trained, you always want to make the audience feel for you. So in this uh, case, I don't think the audience really wants to feel what you guys put your body through for sure. But I do encourage everyone to always buy merchandise from the wrestlers and um you know, if there's ever an injury or anything like that and a GoFundMe to definitely donate because you sick fucks are out there in the audience doing sick fuckery or sick yeah. fuckery shit, sick shit, sick fuck. What, what's the word? You're just doing sick fuckery or sick fuck stuff when you're what out there in the fuck. audience, which is fine because every ass has a seat in this world as far as I'm concerned, I think. No, yeah. no doubt, especially the nice ones especially the nice ones or hey even if you're as big as the my pillow guy that ass has a seat and if you're as skinny as whatever a scarecrow that ass has a seat too just like xpw wrestling so if people actually want to you know learn more about you or stalk you on your comedy tour and cheer for you where could they go uh, all my social media, I, you know, I have a YouTube page, uh, Facebook, Instagram at dirty Ron McDonald. Uh, you know, I run my independent wrestling promotion, fist combat, F I S T C O M B A T TV, fist combat TV. It's a different take on wrestling. It's a show for people that want to go and have a good time. You know, um, we put, we, we did weekly episodes for a while, uh, last year in 2021, we ran 45 live events. Um, so, you know, it was almost one a week. Um, you know, we did 33 in 2019, right before the pandemic shut down. But um, <clears throat> we do our little festivals. We have our fun. You know, I, I, I put out a lot of my comedy clips and some some wrestling stuff here and there. But, you know, I, I like to keep it fun. Um, you know, my wife, and I have a very sexy wife uh, that you met at the last show. You know, her and I do stand-up comedy together. I taught her how to wrestle. You know, we, we run our, our little venue together. So, you know, it's a... It's a mess made in heaven. I'm a very lucky and fortunate person to be able to understand how valuable it is to be able to create, create your own path. Um, you know, like I, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of in line to be one of those guys like, Oh, this was a 20 year overnight success. Like I've been grinding out here. You know, I've been doing this stuff. I put out three comedy rock albums, one comedy rap album, and I'm working on my second stand up comedy album. So, you know, like, where I'm just out here doing it, trying to work real hard, not to have a real job. I mean, getting on a podcast with, with Jasmine St. Clair, like what, what, a, what a treat, you know? Oh, by the way, you look absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Ab absolutely amazing. You know, it was, it was a little nerve wracking to come, you know, that, that first show, see you, Veronica Kane, I mean, shit like, you know, Necro Butcher. So I, I mean, I've been around Necro, but like, you know, to see, now, I mean, especially you, you know, because you have the, you know, the history in ECW is that like, mm -hmm. you know, to, to see somebody and admire somebody and then to see them in person and to have, you know, what I, I think is the beginning of a, a friendship. It's, you know, it's that, that is the coolest shit to me, you know, like the, to, I've got to work with Sabu a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I um, put a feature film together with Rob Van Dam. So, you know, I like to get to work with a lot of my heroes and, you know, to know, know that now I'm accepted and respected by some of those people. It's, it's the most amazing thing in, in the world. Not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to like anybody. So, you know, as, as long as you don't give a shit about that, you're out there being a decent person, you know, like everything that you want in life is 
just a smile away. That's so sweet. Or, or a hit of a joint away sometimes. Oh, yeah. It depends how you present it to people and if you're cool or not. Um, actually, did you like Lenny Bruce growing up? Like, who did you, who did you listen to? I think Lenny Bruce was amazing, by the way. Yo, uh, Lenny Bruce was uh, quite an interesting character. Not only was he somebody that, uh, you know, used obscenities and was really breaking the law to get notoriety for himself. He was a very intelligent guy. You know, I've, I've seen some documentaries on him. He was calling the cops on himself. What? So, oh, yeah. Like, so he would get himself arrested by calling, oh, there's a comedian on stage saying obscenities, hang up the phone, go on stage, tell his jokes, then get arrested. He called it on himself. I don't know if they happen all the time, but I know they happened uh, quite a number of times. Um, so to, he understands showmanship, you know, like to be set on a different level. Like, I'm sure there were people out there saying fuck on stage. You couldn't say that back then. Yeah. For a long time, you couldn't say cunt on stage in America. Um, but to see somebody like that, like, you know, I listen to his stuff and, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of preachy. There's not a whole lot of punchlines, you know, but comedy is still a new, really new art form. You know, professional wrestling was really created in, in where it is in the early 1900s. You know, so it's been around a long time, baseball, you know, the late 1800s. So, you know, like comedy really has only been getting really popping in the last like 40, 40 years or so, you know, since like, you know, HBO, you and now with the platforms that are out there, you know, like, man, it's amazing. But I grew up watching George Carlin. George yeah. Carlin was amazing. <laughs> uh, Robin Williams was amazing. You know, we had HBO. So anything that was on there. And then very quickly, um, the urban influence in, in, for comedy, you know, Chris Rock, obviously yeah. Dave Chappelle, um, you know, and to get into comedy, I got into it and there was a segregated scene in St. Louis. There was a white scene and a black scene. And like almost no white comics went to the black rooms because you just eat up like a motherfucker. My cousin and I went out to comedy songs, did some stand up there, and you know, they're a tough crowd. You know, I'm not saying any, of any color or race or anything like that. People that have been through shit in life are there to, to have a good time. They don't get offended. So you know, like, yeah, George Carlin definitely uh, set the mark with that. And it was easy to see and learn from watching him. To it, comedy can be so much more than just jokes, you know social commentary, you know, like really get a message out there, make people feel something, make people think something. That's interesting because okay, say so the past, I guess, four years. So I have a one woman show that obviously stopped before the pandemic. And then I did the show last year. Then I go back in September with it. So it's not comedy. People are really kind of confuse the two, but like I started watching a few comedy shows. I have to tell you, I stopped going out to comedy shows specifically in the West side of LA and certain parts of Manhattan and so forth, because you get every stupid little girl that doesn't really want to do the work as an actress oh, yeah. or trying to be cool. And they get up there. Well, my uncle raped me. Then you go to like the next person said, well, my uncle stuck his finger on my vagina and in my anus. It's like, all right, I highly doubt anyone fucking rape you because you you're just you're gross. Number one. Number two, right. you, you were born like I would just stuff a, a raw chicken down your throat to shut you up. Right. And it's just it's this whole thing where it just becomes so unpleasant. Then you get like actors that probably don't really act or do anything to tell dick jokes because they probably have no dick. Now, right. do you find a different temperature between cops? comics um like la versus san diego and other places you know uh comedy is a weird thing like in wrestling to call yourself a wrestler you have to go to school you know in order to call yourself a doctor you have to get a doctor <laughs> to call yourself a comedian all you gotta do is go on stage one time so you know unfortunately that it is that but sifting through the bullshit you know the only way you're going to get anywhere is if you're funny and if you're funny funny will get booked so, you know, like, it's really easy to get caught up in the comedy scene. It's really, you know, easy to get caught up in their drama and the bullshit or, you know, or even like, listen, like, like listening to shitty open my comics, like, oh, the worst. Right. So if what I learned quickly is like, I just want to surround myself with people that I respect, first of all. And second of all, I think, you know, are funny because what that's going to do is going to help. You're going to help each other. And then you're going to quickly grow out of that open mic stage where you're sitting there listening to shitty comics, you know, you're going to know who's good and who you want to listen to. And, you know, like 
but you know, you end up getting caught up in, in stupid. Uh, some people get caught up in stupid shit. So, you know, like it's hard to sift through open mics and, you know, those stupid showcases where you get five minutes, you know, but once you start breaking through to the level, um, you know, you're going to be around good comedians. You know, you're going to be around people that are going to help you grow and, you know, surrounding yourself with motivated people. Same thing I did with wrestling, same thing I do with comedy. I, I want to surround myself with motivated people that want to go out there and they want to do something. They want to, you know, they, they have goals. They want to reach those goals. And then they want to send more goals. Like, because you, if you're just there like, Oh, I'm going to get a Netflix special. Okay. How? Well, um, I'm going to show up to an open mic and then Lauren Michaels is going to be there and sign me. It's not how that shit works. Right. Yeah. How about that? And Lauren Michaels shows up to every second city grad review show right. and puts people on SNL. Not that SNL is that great anymore, but um, <clears throat> I just haven't watched it in a while. Like when Wayne's world was an SNL, that was awesome. Like those guys were so smart. Mike Myers, like his character, those guys were freaking awesome. Like I'd want to go party with them and hang out and smoke weed and listen to like Alice Cooper or whatever. It's such a different world now. So I, I think other than that, though, the only other thing I could see you doing business wise is booking shows. I think you'd be phenomenal because you know how to sell stuff. You'd be an yeah. amazing booker. So if you ever, ever start booking live things for other people, I will be the first on your roster. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's seeing talent, knowing how to, how to put it together. That's the most satisfying Hi, thing doggy. to me. Uh, yeah, it's Big Mac down there. Um, the most satisfying thing to me is, you know, as an entertainer, it's fun. But putting on my shows here, you know, we have a smaller warehouse. We fit like 120 people or so. And we, we do that almost, you know, like every other or three or four Saturdays a month. And um, to, to take people that, you know, because we live right by a populated beach area. I don't do any, I don't spend any money on advertising. We just hit the streets, hand out flyers pack the place so to see people that woke up that day didn't know they were going to go to wrestling then they go to a wrestling show and now they're regulars taking pictures tagging people on instagram and all that stuff it's you know it's introductory level uh, playing field out here so being able to put on those shows and you know make people feel something and show them a whole new thing um is is so gratifying because like you know Sure, like the coolest thing is somebody you know around my hometown or around out here in San Diego notices me. Oh, you're Dirty Ron! Like that's that's so cool because I did something that was so memorable to them that they wanted to not only remember that, but they wanted to stop me and tell me, "Hey, man, that was that was some cool shit." Like, there's nothing more gratifying than that. Or cultivating new talent. Like there are a lot of new guys out here that I work with, and you know, building them up to be characters, letting them know the, how to build your value by connecting with audiences. And you connect by emotions. You don't connect with moves. Why do they want to see you do that move? Why do they want to see you do this? Like, why do why do you want to see Jasmine St. Clair versus some other, you know, woman in wrestling? Well, you know, like you you all you have something unique to offer, and you know, like by helping people figure out what that is, and helping like people grow as entertainers, and you know, the the whole aspect of building up new talent is the most gratifying thing for me in, in the world professionally. Wow. You sound like you, I just felt like I was in a class for a second. Like I was in an improv class for one minute. I'm like, wait a second. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not, a, I'm not zooming classes during the pandemic. Like I already graduated second city and upright citizens brigade and all those like big programs. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It was really tough. Like I didn't know I was going to get all the way up to grad review in the conservatory at second city. Like it was a total, total accident. I am like, okay, yeah, I did one through three. Fine. Okay. I'm not going to get in the conservatory. I got in. Then I got into the second part of that. Then finally grad review, which was really a very dark thing because there were eight people that auditioned and only like six got in. So it's like two of your friends are not going to get in. I was in New York city taping a TV show and I'm like, just checking email in the middle of the day in my trailer. I'm like, oh, I got in. Cool. Then I got the call from my one friend who did not get in. And he was like really bummed out. And I'm like, shit, this is not good. But it just sounds like everything you said is like being the CEO of your own company, which is yourself at that point. And I did forget to ask you, where did you learn to wrestle? Did you teach yourself? Did you go on YouTube? No. I didn't go on YouTube. So, um, and, you know, in the late nineties, um, everything was still kind of like kayfabe and it was, you weren't like advertising wrestling schools. 
uh, or, you know, it was hard to find advertisements like that. So in, in St. Louis, there was um, a radio show called The Stranglehold, and there was a promoter on there, um, a Big Bad Ben, uh, and he was like, hey, you know, we're looking for students or whatever. You know, I run these shows. Or no, no, he said he's, he's running shows, running small shows. So my mom got, you know, I won tickets off the, you know, off the radio, 14, I'm going to these shows. And, you know, I, I was just like, like, how do I do this? You know? And they were like, like, Oh, you know, like we have a school, you know, you gotta be 18 or get your parents permission. So I waited a couple of years. And once it turned 16, I was like, I, I, I gotta go, you know? So I was talking shit on one of the message boards and, you know, like I'm a 16 year old kid. So like I'm talking shit, shit on some message board, like, Oh, I'm tough or whatever. And some of the wrestlers were like, Oh, you're tough show up so i pulled up at like three o'clock on the show on the show day and i showed up little punk ass 16 year old kid and and they were like no these are some like bad motherfuckers you know like you know the 300 300 something pounds and some of these over six foot five like football player looking motherfuckers so they they were like oh kid you got balls so like they were whooped i was such a little punk ass bitch they were they whooped my ass so hard like to get me to not come back so like I was too stupid to know that. So I'm just like getting my ass kicked and I, I kept coming back. Like, come on, let's do some more. It's dope. You know, they're like, really? Like you're a fucking idiot. So, you know, like I, I started and like, it, it was, I, I learned some stuff from like watching it. Right. Obviously, you know, you watch it, you learn by osmosis. So I watched, I learned some things. We had backyard wrestling matches with audiences, by the way, when we were in high school, you know, early in high school. So, you know, like paying audiences too. So, um, you be kind of learn there. And then we, the best of our backyard little organizations, because there was a couple of organizations all over St. Louis, the best of a couple best of us went and trained professionally. So we went to the school and although they didn't really teach us much, they taught us basically how to bump, tie up, you know, how to, you know, just get beat up basically. And then, um, you know, um, we kind of learned on our own, started going on the road, learning what, you know, like heat and come back and shine and, you know, all these terms, you know, and hope spots and all these terms meant, we didn't learn any of that shit. You know, they just wanted to take our money and let these little fucking 16, 17, 18 year old kids bounce around his wrestling ring. So that's what we did. And eventually we learned, you know, like we learned from just going out there and doing it. And, you know, this guy, this was like, I started training in April of the year 2000. So, you know, the internet wasn't popping. Like, I don't even think you can see videos on the internet yet. Um, or it took like six hours on a 10 second video. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, uh, a lot of us learn, we worked with each other, you know, like, some of us had an actual wrestling background, so we, like, you know, we'd go in there and, like, really wrestle each other, so, you know, and then you, you learn how to work things, learn how to put stories together, and it's not the what, it's the why, why are you doing this move, why are you doing going for this, why, you know, what's the point of wearing down a body part, oh, because you're go, trying to go for a move that you do really well, that, you know, puts pressure on that body part, so, in a sense, we were trained, but, the camaraderie and the brotherhood. I mean, there was like 12 of us in our class in 2001 and like eight of us are still active. And that was 21 years ago. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole other world. I know like when Rob started XPW, like Damien Steele was training me, but then I took off and I took classes on my own with a glow girl in the Valley. We were training outside in the ring though in Calabasas. And I had no idea that diuretics and learning how to do forward flips didn't really mix very well. So, you know, that was that, but then I was training with Mondo Guerrero, but I, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's amazing everything you do under one roof and, you know, it'll only get bigger and better as time goes on. And yeah. I'm glad that, um, I'm glad I got to speak to you most importantly. Thank oh, you. For yeah. that. And I will support everything you do. So once Same. again, could we go ahead through your socials? It's dirty Ron. No, absolutely. At dirty Ron McDonald on all social media. Um, I have my own YouTube page, but the promotion Fist Combat, F-I-S-T-C-O-M-B-A-T-T-V, Fist Combat TV on all platforms is all of our old videos. You know, I did a boxing match with a comedian where I, there was a whole diss track and a whole production put together. And I knocked that guy down three times in 46 seconds. You know, so like, I, I put together, you know, many things. I got music videos on there. I got some of my stand-ups, some of my crazy matches or whatever. And, you know, like, um, I, I can't thank you enough for, you know, giving me this platform to talk because, you know, like, it's you know as a as a broke entertainer uh, as a lot of us are you know, we don't have a lot of money to invest in ourselves to get ourselves a publicist or get ourselves out there so anytime somebody takes their time out of their day time out of their life to give me a platform to speak i mean i can't i can't thank you enough jasmine 
it's, you know, it's been an honor and a pleasure, you know, to, uh, to start to gain your friendship. And I look forward to many more incredible times, XPW related or not. Thank you very much. So make sure you check out his comedy and check us out XPW Wrestling on August 13th, Night of Reckoning at Pomona. God, I wonder what it's going to be, if it's going to be like a thousand degrees out. But yes, come to the show, bring weapons, um, bring gifts, oh, bring yeah. lots of money to spend on merchandise because Dirty Ron McDonald has the coolest stuff. And just come by, you know, even if you show your support by like, um, you know, buying a drink or something like that, it's totally welcome. Just don't roofie it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, if you're going to double roofie mine, please. Um, yeah. um, you know, I'm a strong guy. Everyone. That includes all sugar mamas out there. Hey, uh, that's, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. Far and wide. Um, and any gender. Thank you. Hey, you know, any gender. What, last thing before, you know, I, I feel like we're <laughs> Go ahead. It's okay. You know, like, you know, I, that it is a weird thing to me with, you know, like the, the stigma with, you know, no matter what you are, what gender, whatever, mm -hmm. because we come from pro wrestling. We call each other names that we weren't born with. I don't care what you are, who you are. I'm going to call you by whatever you want me to call you, you know, like, um, and, you know, wrestling is a, a such an all-inclusive place that like we were very inclusive of everybody, no matter what your, your background is, race, religion, color, creed, doesn't matter. Re wrestling is for everybody. Wrestling is not to be diminished and wrestling is not for somebody with a lower brain capacity. Wrestling is live action stunts and characters, you know, the, the traditional stories of good versus evil, all these things live played out in live action in front of your face. You know, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's such a privilege to be a part of this great sport we call professional wrestling. You get to meet dope-ass people like you and wrestle in really cool places like XP motherfucking W. And you. Yes, exactly. Woo! Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just watching that Angelina documentary. I got to stop that voice. All right, sit tight. And thanks for listening to everyone today. Hang on. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast, take a screenshot, send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh, and Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content.